I hope that you are. That describes the sermon series that we are currently in, which is very simply seven words to change your life. It's kind of a bold and audacious phrase, isn't it? It's, a boldacious, it's kind of an audacious claim that these seven words that we're talking about in these seven weeks could change your life, but they truly could. And, uh, and, and, and I'll get into that in just a minute, but um, uh, I just want to say welcome to you. Glad to have you guys here. I don't know. I mean, it's awesome that you guys join us when the weather is this awesome outside. Uh, let me just be, and I, and I mean that. I mean, because really, I connect God best. I was talking with somebody about this this morning when I'm outside, like when I'm in the mountains, when I'm hiking, when I just, I connect God with God best when I'm there. But I also connect God with a, a very powerful way uh, really in, in a similar way when I'm with the body of Christ, when I'm with other people who at least are open to, to worshiping and, and discovering what God needs to mean to them. And so I want to just say welcome to you. I'm glad that you're here. For those of you here checking us out for the very first time, I haven't met all of you and I look forward to after the service, uh, but we want you to know that this is a safe place for you to be. No matter who you are, uh, no matter who you bring, family, friends, whatever, this is a safe place for you. And we want you to know that because we're all in a different place in our journey with Christ. But what we ask is that you honestly and genuinely seek what it means to follow Christ on a daily basis, not to show up at church every now and then, but to live every single day and every moment for Christ and make him in the center of your life. And this is a safe place, no matter where you're at and where your belief is on that, this is a safe place for you to discover what that looks like because we're all on that journey. Um, so as I said, we're in this series called Seven Words to Change Your Life. And last week, I would highly encourage you to jump into that because it's really kind of the foundation in some ways uh, of this whole thing. But we talked about the word yes last week. And we talked about how it's powerful and it can change your life if you say yes to who God tells you and says you are. And if you say yes to what God tells you to do. Um, and I wasn't planning on maybe getting quite this serious today, but we need people to stop saying no to God and start saying yes fully. Because we have a country that is full of Christians who have said sort of yes, yes but. We need to stop, say, we need to stop being a country of Christians saying yes but. The Christianity is exploding around the world. Here, it's not. And it's because we have a bunch of followers of Christ who say, sure, God, I believe in you. Yeah, I'll get to church every now and then. And that's just not good. We need a bunch of Christians who are saying, I'm all in. Yes, and we'll figure it out. And I trust that God's going to take us there. I trust he's going to knock down the walls. I like what Jackie said. And so we talked about saying yes to God fully. But today we get into a different word. It's a shorter word. Yes is pretty short. <laughs> but we get into the word no today. The opposite of yes. And it's really just as powerful as yes. And we're going to get into this. And so I thought today it might be kind of fun to start off with uh, talking about, since we're in the word no and talking about the word no, let's, let's uh, look at some pictures of times when people, in my opinion, they may not be in your opinion, but in my opinion, somebody should have said no uh, before they got into this, all right? You know where we're going with this, right? Okay, this is the first one, all right? Clearly, somebody should have said, you shouldn't even get in the car, right? 
Somebody should have said no, like, stop trying to park this car. You can't do it. It's just, I don't know how the, and this woman is very excited about it. I don't know why. I'm not sure if she was the driver, right? I don't know. Maybe she's just happy to be alive. I don't, I'm not sure. But somebody should have said no. Let's go on to the next one. This guy clearly should have said no to sliding when he thought he should. I actually, I seriously, I saw this picture and I was like, I have to see this play. That's, uh, that's amazing. And so I actually found it on YouTube. And sure enough, it's just, he hits full face, I mean, full force with his head. And he has this, when he gets up, you can see, because this is third base. He was sliding into third base. And he has this huge chunk and skin and scrape. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing he wasn't hurt worse, actually. Somebody should have said no. He should have said no to himself and be like, you know what? I better slide a little earlier, right? All right, go to the next one. Somebody should have said no. For sure. Somebody should have said no. Right? Mullet, I mean, bad enough, but let's make it a rat. Like, that's awesome. Who says that, right? Somebody should have said no. Anyway, all right, let's go to the next one. Whoever's loading the cart, somebody needs to say, nope, we're done. Like, it, cut it off, right? The donkey's going to go flying. Or maybe this. Here's this last one. Let's go to the last one. Yeah. Trucker should have said no. Like, I think I can make it. Nope, you shouldn't. No. It's, it, it was a no. Now, all joking aside, no is a word that we have to use in life, isn't it? It's a powerful word. And, uh, and it's one of those words that we need to use. Well, you guys have probably heard of this guy named Warren Buffett. If you haven't, he's one of the richest people on the planet. His estimated worth is in the neighborhood of 65 billion, billion, not million, but billion dollars. He does pretty well, okay, just to say. But Warren Buffett is quoted as saying this, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. Now, uh, let me give you an example. Warren Buffett, uh, HBO just did like a documentary on it. I haven't actually seen it, but there's a snip of a video uh, from that documentary that they do on Warren Buffett. And in this video, it's kind of a crummy video. It's a kind of shot really poorly and all kind of stuff. I don't know how, but anyway, it is. Uh, but he's in his car, and he's explaining to the camera what he does every morning to choose his breakfast. And it's just very fascinating, I guess. I was kind of blown away by it. And so I wanted to show you this. It's just like a minute long. So take a look at this. This is Warren Buffett explaining what he does every morning and how he chooses his breakfast. Take a look. I'm on the way to the office. It's a, all of a five-minute drive. Been doing it... Uh, for 54 years. One of the good things about this five minute drive is that uh, on the way there's a uh, McDonald's, so I'll pick up something. Good morning, thank you for choosing McDonald's. Go ahead and order whenever you're ready. I'll have a uh, sausage McMuffin with uh, egg and cheese. Anything else? That's it, thank you. And I tell my wife as I shave in the morning, I say either 261, 295, or 317, and she puts that amount in a little cup by me here, and that determines which of three breakfasts I get. Okay, 295. There's How the you two. doing, son? Hey, great. You're on candid camera. 
When I'm not feeling quite so prosperous, I might go with the 261, which is two sausage patties, and then I put them together and uh, pour myself a coat. Hi, how are you? 317 is a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, but the market's down this morning, so I think I'll pass up the 317 and go with the 295. Hilarious, isn't it? Like, yeah, that sounds normal. Just put some things in here in the in the in the cup. I'm like, okay, it's a sausage, egg, and cheese, right? But what's interesting, I don't I don't know if you noticed it, but he never said the word no in that video. So he ordered his biscuit or whatever it is, the sausage egg and, you know, with cheese or whatever. And, and she said, is that, you know, is there anything else? And he said, that's it, thank you, or that's it. And what, uh, what's in, interesting about this is he had those three amounts, but what he's really doing is he's saying no to everything else. He's saying no to a more extravagant breakfast. Now, we can debate on whether his yes to eat McDonald's every morning. He probably is invested in McDonald's, would be my guess. It was a little bit of a plug. Pretty obvious one. But in all seriousness, he's just simply saying no to any other breakfast. He's worth $65 billion. He could buy every McDonald's in the country probably, let alone the breakfast. But he's saying no because that's just how he is. That's he, how he saved. And if you read his story, he came from just, he started from nothing. He really did. And, and a big part of it is because he said no to all this other extravagance. He still lives in the same house that he bought umpteen bazillion years ago. And so Warren Buffett understands the power of no. But this leads us to our main point today. And I hope that you get this. It's kind of one of those things I really hate when people say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> in that the way it is. But if you get nothing else out of today, I would say make sure that you get this. And that is this first point, which is, Behind every wise no is a better yes. Not just any no. Sometimes we say no to good things or to the best things or to things that God asks us to do, and that's not a wise no. So it's important that it's behind every wise no is a better yes. In other words, by saying no, you're saying yes to something else. And we need to determine what those things are. You've probably heard it said that the biggest enemy of great is good. I think sometimes we settle for good instead of shooting for great. And to be honest, I don't know about you, but as humans, we kind of have a hard time saying no. I know I do. <laughs> this is one of those messages that is like hits to the core of who I am because I have a hard time saying no. Part of it is, I think, a good thing. I love serving and helping people, but I have a hard time saying no. And let me give you a couple of reasons why I think we have a hard time saying no. One of these hits me very strongly. The first reason is because we don't like to disappoint people. Some of you, that hits to the core of who you are. Some of you are like, I don't care. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I'll pray for grace and mercy and compassion in your life. <laughs> but seriously, we don't, we, most of us, the vast majority of us, we don't like to disappoint people. I mean, when somebody's angry at us, we can take that. But if they're disappointed in us, that hurts. Can we be honest? That's true, right? And so we don't like to say no because we know it will be disappointing to somebody. 
And so we don't like to disappoint people. But there's a second reason. And, and this reason is sometimes we say yes simply because we want to say yes. We know it's not good for us. We know we should say no, but we say yes because we just want to. How many times have you said yes because you knew you just wanted to do it or you knew your friends wanted you to do it and you didn't want to look weird or whatever the case was? You know you should have said no, but you didn't. I've done that tons of times. Probably all of us have. And so we should say no, but we say yes when we shouldn't. Well, I want to give you a practical example of this. This is a true shameless promotion. (laughs) But I will say that this is a serious one. So Ryan Meester, he just mentioned this. This Saturday, we have a food drive coming up. Okay? You know where I'm going with this, right? At Northridge, we don't just talk a game. I'm going to give you a step to take to put up or shut up. And this is one of those opportunities. This Saturday, I guarantee you probably have an idea of what's going to happen. You have things planned. I know you do. You know why? Because I do. <laughs> i got a ton of stuff. But let me ask you to do something. I want you to say yes to helping out with the food drive because there's probably a, a check in your heart and in your soul and in your calendar. My guess is there is. Some of you are scared to go up to people's houses and knock on the door and give them a bag. Can I just be honest? I'm a people person and it's one of the things that I hate the most about Northridge doing. I do it every year because I know it's good for me and I know it's good to do. I don't like doing it. I hate it. I'll be honest, I hate knocking on the door and I don't know what I'm going to find. I, li- I don't like the unknown. But let me encourage you to do something. I want you to encourage you. You might have a day, you might have two or three hours, you might have one hour. Whatever you have, would you say yes? And sign up and help. And the reason I'm saying that is because I know it's a big deal. Because I, I know that because it's a big deal to Laura and I when we have to choose so, to say yes to something because what it means is we're saying no to something else. We have to say no to something else. We have to say no to this. We have to say no to, sometimes it's as simple as saying no to, uh, you know, to a football game or something like that. By the way, we chose the weekend where the Badgers don't play. <laughs> we did that on purpose, just so that you know, because we want to help your yes. We do as much as we can, but we can't do everything. <laughs> but in all seriousness, let me just tell you what the key to this. We have collected thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of food every year that we've done this. I mean, the the stage over there is loaded to the hilt with food, which is awesome to see. It's one of the most fruitful, one of the most tangible things that we do. But you know what the hinge, you know what hinges on everything, the amount of food that we collect? You know what the main key, the biggest key factor is? Is how many people we have going to pass out the flyers. We have 3,000 of them. In order to get all 3,000 out, we need a lot of people. And so I'm asking you to take that step and say yes. Say no to something else and take that step. Even if it's an hour or two. If it's all day, awesome. But just take that step. Say yes, and thereby you're saying no to something else. I get it. But let's just collect a ton of food on Saturday. I look forward to it. Now, let's get to the question at hand. You might be wondering, well, how do we know what to say no to? Right? How do we know what to say no to? And why is it so important? Well, I want to use an example from God's Word. I think it's probably good to do that. And there's a guy named David in there. And David is just a great example of this, of being, needing to say no. 
And in this passage I want to read, uh, it's Psalm chapter 78. And God has to choose the next leader of Israel. Um, and, and so he chooses David. And, uh, but why I'm reading this passage is we find out that God chooses David in this passage. But then what it describes about David is the key and tells us why God chose him. So I want to read it and unpack it for just a minute. So let me just read it. Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72. God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. Now listen to how he describes him. And David shepherded them, the people of Israel, with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. Now, the question becomes, why did God choose David? There are literally hundreds, maybe thousands of shepherds in Israel at this time in history. I mean, this is like a big industry. You know, sheep, it's kind of a big deal. And so, so there are hundreds, if not thousands, of shepherds out there. There are millions of people who live in Israel in this time of history. Okay? So how did David become the one that gets the nod from God? Why did God choose David? It's an important question. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but what did God say about David's heart? Did you notice that? It said he shepherded them with integrity of heart. Now, when I say the word integrity, my guess is we automatically think honesty. You think it's synonymous with honesty, right? If you say, oh, that person is a great person of integrity, right away, my mind anyway, at least that's how I think, my mind goes to, oh, he or she is an honest person. That's what integrity means. We think integrity is honesty. Right? They live as they say, and they say as they live, and they say as they do. Right? The, the, an integrity person is an honest person. What if I told you, maybe this will kind of wreck your world on the word integrity, but what if I told you that you can have a person who is honest, but not a person of integrity? You can actually have a person who is honest, but not a person of integrity. So they're not synonymous. In fact, let me just give you the, the background of the word integrity. The word integrity comes from a Latin word. It's a math term. I love math. Actually, I don't. I hate it. But anyway, it's, we need to use it for some purposes. And it comes from the word integer. And the math term integer means a whole number. It means not a fraction. Right? Uh, integer is a whole number. And so if you look at the word integer, and that's where we get the word integrity from, it doesn't mean honest. It means whole not as long like I dug a hole in the ground, but W-H-O-L-E, whole or complete. So I want us to understand what God is saying. God is not saying David is just honest. God is saying that David shepherded them, took care of the people of Israel. He led them with a whole and complete, unfractured, undivided heart. This is a big deal. What God is saying is, sometimes we need to say no in order to have the correct loyalties and faithfulness in our heart. 
David had to say no to do this. Now, this is, honestly, we kind of think, it. well, it's David. Of course he had the right heart. It's David from the Bible. He, like, defeated Goliath, became the king of Israel. He got to write, like, a portion of the Bible. Of course he had a heart after God. Well, we kind of think, like, David was born with it, right? Like, God's like, David, I'm going to give you an awesome heart. Everybody else, eh, they'll be fine. Right? That's kind of what we think because we kind of read the end of the story when David is awesome. Right? But the truth is David had to work like crazy by saying no to so many other things in order to have a heart that was whole and complete and tuned in and focused on God. In fact, listen to one of his prayers. David writes this, Psalm 86, 11. David says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided, unfractured, whole, complete heart that I may fear, that I may respect your name. See, what I think we need to start learning and and getting better at, this includes myself, is saying no to the bad things, but also saying no to a lot of the good things that we put in our life so that we can say yes to the best things. We need to say no to the bad things and some of the good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Because as I said already once before, you're going to hear it at least six more times. Behind every wise no is a better yes. So this word no has the power to change your life. But we have to use it. Honestly, I feel like this is one of those messages where we kind of can pass off and just not care about it. I feel like this is one of those messages where we'll hear it, but we just don't know if we can put it into practice. Because you're like, you don't understand what I have on my calendar. Or you don't understand, like, where I come from. Or you don't understand how I grew up. And we kind of rationalize this away why we can't say no. I do this all the time. That's why I know your mind. Because <laughs> I rationalize these all the time for myself. And what God says is we have to say no to get to that better yes. So here's what I want to do this morning. It's not going to be the most fun part. But I want to talk about three areas of our life where we need to say no. And we need to get these. Because I think that they're keeping us from the best yes in our life. Three areas where we need to say no. This first one we're going to spend by far the most time on. The last two we're going to jump through really quickly. This first one is huge. It's the one that we don't like to talk about. People leave churches because we talk about this. I've heard people like say that, and they're like, well, they started talking about this at this church, and I was, I was out. Really? That's too bad. Probably should have stayed. <laughs> I'm not sure if we want you here either. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Sometimes I have that thought. I'm like, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> sorry, Lord. This first one where we need to say no is sin. A lot of people don't like to talk about sin. We do not like to hear word, the word sin. We're like, I don't want to talk about it. I want to hear it. I don't, I don't need you to condemn me. I'm, I'm not condemning you, <laughs> just so you know. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. We need to say no to sin. Because sin, of anything else that we could ever bring up today, sin is the number one thing, the biggest thing, top of the mountain thing 
that will keep you from a life and a heart that is whole and not fractured before God. We have to say no to sin. But the truth is, I think, there's a lot of misconceptions of sin because I think there's a lot of churches that have stopped talking about sin because there's people that are leaving because you're talking about sin. Cut it out. I feel a little awkward. Well, deal with it. Right? Hey, there you go. I got Shelly's with me. <laughs> sin is not fun to talk about, but it has to be something that we say no to because it's destroying some of our relationships with God and other people. So let me give you three truths about sin because I want to make sure we're clear on what sin is, what it can do, how it destroys us, and why it's so important to say no. Because there's a lot of misconceptions about sin, okay? All of these come straight from God's word, all right? Romans 3.23 gives us the first truth. It says, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I think that this verse is phenomenal because it does two things. One, it helps us to understand and know we're all in the same boat. So if you're here and you're like, I don't need to hear this part. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> you're in the same boat that everybody else is. The only difference is you're ignorant of it. <laughs> right? That's the only difference. The only difference is you're sitting in the boat, but you say you're not. That's just crazy. Right? What this says is everyone at some point in your life, or at a lot of points in your life, when you should have said no, you said yes. That's what this is saying. At some point, you said yes to something that God says you have to say no to that. That's what, that's what sin is. Sin is anything that God says you can't do this or you need to do this, and if you don't do that, that's sin. Right? And so God kind of pushes on this, and he says, you need to say no to sin. And everyone has sinned. It's good that we know we're all in the same boat together, right? It puts us all in the same playing field. It's not like, well, I've sinned a little less than you, and I haven't committed that sin. You know, we get, I, really? We get into that? We need to understand that we're all sinners. Put another way, and I like it this way better, to be honest, we all need Jesus. It's kind of the other side of the coin, but that's, that's the same thing. We all need the salvation that comes through the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. We, all, every one of us need it, no matter who we are. Second truth about sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, we all experience temptation from sin. And God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you, God will show you a way out so that you can endure. Another great verse for two reasons. One, it should be encouraging, right? It should be encouraging. It should tell you that God will always, 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 it says, literally, always, when you're tempted, he will show you a way out. It's always going to happen. God always gives you a way out of sin. And that should be encouraging because sometimes we feel like there's no way out, don't we? We feel pressure. We feel like it's a hard choice. And let's be honest, it's, not, it's one of those things where we, it usually is a hard choice. But God says there's always a way out. But that's the first reason it's good. But there's a second reason it's good. And it's not as fun. It's convicting, isn't it? Because what God is saying to you and I, if you have sinned, it's your fault. 
you cannot paint a different picture. Well, but, you know, my parents taught me this, and they're, nope, it's your fault. You should have said no. I gave you a way out. I, I, I gave you an opportunity to say no, you didn't. You should have said, I mean, you should have said no, but you said yes. I gave you the way out. It was there. Now, to be honest, it could be, it could be a very difficult path. Okay, I pick on this all the time. But say that there's, there's bullying going on. This is why bullying is rampant in our culture. Because we have put not offending somebody above truth. Okay? And so bullying is going on. And what we tend to do is we either go along with it and laugh along with it. Or we, at, at the minimum, don't walk away from it. And why? Because the way out is you being socially outcast from that group that's doing all the laughing. There's a way out of sin, but it's going to be harder for you most of the time. But we need to say no, because God says, if it's in sin, if you're in sin, if you gave in, if you said yes when you should have said no, it's your fault. It's nobody else's fault. Don't blame somebody else. It's your fault. In fact, let me give you the three P words where sin will attack you. I already know this because God's word talks about this all the time. He's going to attack you with pride. He's going to attack you with pleasure. And Satan's going to attack you with power. It's going to be one of those three or all three. Okay? Pride, pleasure, power. Pride says, I'm better than everybody else. Pride says, God, I know better than you. When you don't live according to God's word, that's what you're saying. So I know we don't stand here and say, God, you don't have this. I've got this. You're just God. I'm here. And clearly, you see, I'm awesome. Right? Clearly, we don't do that to God. But if you decide not to live according to this word, you're saying the same thing to God. Just so you know. You're saying no to God and saying yes to the, to the sin, to things that go against God. Okay? And so what God says is pride, you will be attacked with pride. If you live how you want to, you have pride, the sin of pride. Pleasure. I needed to get, dig, dig into this. The biggest pleasure that we have a hard time saying no to is sexual misconduct. We don't talk about this enough either. Pornography is as available as it's ever been. Affairs, sex outside of marriage, lust in your mind, TV, movies, music, Okay, just, I'm serious. Just think about some of the media that you've had in this last week. And my guess is the majority, maybe not all, but the majority talked about some kind of romantic, physical, sexual lust thing. We have a horrible time saying no to it. And some of you believe this lie. Some of you believe it's okay if it stays in here and I don't act on it. Can I tell you that the Bible tells you that that's wrong? In fact, not the Bible. Jesus says it's wrong. He says, if you lust in your heart, in your mind, if you lust after somebody and dwell on it, then you have already committed adultery. You've already committed the sin. I know, I just destroyed some of your lives. Sorry. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And what he says is, now, now I, I want you to understand, okay? This is not like if you have a lustful thought, you're like, oh, I sinned. It's over. No. When the lustful thought comes in, it's what you do with it. This is why pornography is sin. 
Because I, I don't know anybody who looks at pornography and says, oh, I'm going to love my wife more now. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lie from uh, you know where. We have to say no to some of this sin that we have a hard time with. And it's destroying our culture. It's destroying families. It's destroying everything. And power, we like to have power. <laughs> Who doesn't like to have power? Like all of a sudden you get a little taste of it and you're like, you get to tell your brother and sister what to do. <laughs> right? I mean, our kids are like, <gasps> yeah! I mean, they just like, it's the best thing in life. Why? Because power is awesome. Right? I mean, when we, when Laura and I say, hey, you can pick what you want for, for you know, for breakfast. Now we give them a list. <laughs> because if we just said you can pick, they'd be like, candy bin on top of the refrigerator. No, you can't have candy for breakfast. But you can have like these three or four things. Which one would you like? Oh, like heaven opens up, right? Because they have power. But what we do is when we get a little bit of power, what do we want more of? We want more power. And it gets us. Now, I want us to understand, because we can misunderstand this. We sometimes think that God doesn't want us to have responsibility, that he doesn't want us to have power, that he doesn't want us to have pleasure. That he doesn't want us to feel good about ourselves, like self-esteem. We think of pride and self-esteem in the same light. Pride and self-esteem are not the same thing. You should be confident in who God made you to be. You should not be prideful to say you're better than anybody else or God. Right? God wants us to feel and understand that we are valuable and that we're good. He wants us to do that. That healthy version of self-esteem or pride. In fact, pleasure, same thing. The reason God, a lot of people give in to pleasure is they say, God, I deserve it. Well, you know what? You actually kind of do to some degree because guess who created pleasure? God did. He just says, if you operate within these parameters, it'll be unbelievable for you. And I'm not talking about just like physical desire and lust, what we just talked about. I'm talking about like he made food taste good. That's, that's, that was a pleasure thing that he didn't have to do. Think about some of the best times in your life. My guess is it dealt with people where you were just genuine and real with and somebody gave you an encouraging word that you did not expect and it just lifted your soul and your heart. Or maybe you had a moment, one of the best things with your friend. It wasn't like you were out partying or anything like that, but it was just one of those real genuine moments and you felt that genuine connection and that love. You know what I'm talking about? One of those best days in life. You know where that pleasure came from? That unbelievable lifted cloud nine feeling? That's because God gave you that. He created pleasure. He just said, I need you to operate within these parameters so it's healthy, so it doesn't destroy you. And power, he wants us to have power. In fact, he gave us access to the power of God through Jesus. Did you know that? It claims in his word, it says that we have access to the power of the resurrection of the dead, which is Jesus' power, if we believe in him. God wants us to have power. He just asks that it's under his authority. All right. We'll get off that train for a minute. Let's go to the third truth about sin. Romans 6, 23. says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, tells us two things. Tells us that because of our sin, we deserve eternal, complete Death and separation from God. Which, it's hard to explain this, but 
If you can imagine the worst anguish possible and imaginable in this life, that will be the worst. Because God represents absolutely everything that is pure and good. And if you're separated from everything, I mean everything that is pure and good, imagine what that would look like. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. But God took care of the problem because he said, I love them. I don't want them to deal with that. I don't want them to have that. I didn't create them for that. I created them to feel and experience and know love on a level that they've never understood before. And so I'm going to send Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price. The wages of sin is death. And so Jesus died for you and for me. It's powerful. So the first area we need to say no to is sin. We need to get that. Because behind every wise no is a what? A better yes. Second area we need to say no is we need to say no to overload. <laughs> oh man, if there's not a word that we need in this culture. Sin is by far the top one. But this one is a big one. We need to say no to overload in relationships. Schedules, time, sports, work, career. <laughs> There's probably about 12,000 others. We need to say no to overload. Jesus rested and prayed all the time. You guys know that. I don't have time to get into all the verses. We'd be here for another couple of hours. But Jesus took time to get away from people and rest and pray all the time. You know what? In fact, let me just tell you what he didn't do. I know I'm picking here. <laughs> I'm just picking today. Jesus did not rest and rejuvenate and, and mend his fractured heart, right? And by the way, Jesus' heart was never fractured, but if it ever was, right, the reason it wasn't is because he rested and prayed all the time. What Jesus did not do to mend his heart and make sure his heart was whole and complete, what he didn't do was sit and watch TV. Jesus did not say to his disciples, hey guys, this, is, this ministry stuff is intense. I just need to go scroll Facebook for a while. Oh, Peter, I didn't know you had a soccer game yesterday. Yeah. Right? He, he didn't go out and have some adulting time, like we like to say, and gossip with some friends to rest. Hear me. Jesus, when he needed to rest, he actually rested, and he prayed and connected his soul to his creator God, and his heart remained whole as a result. Now understand, I watch TV, I scroll Facebook, right? I don't do adulting time by gossiping with friends, just so you know. But I do, I do like to have a meal with people and eat and talk. I do it all the time because I enjoy those two things. Usually food's kind of in the opposite order, though. I like food a lot. But that is not rest, just so you're clear. It might help you to kind of have some break from kids. Laura and I love that as well. We love our children, but it's nice to have a break. But if you want to have a whole heart, you need to spend some time connecting with God and doing nothing but that, which means you're going to have to say no. In fact, let me give you an example of this. We need to spend time with God and the most important people in our life. If we don't, then we're saying yes to things that we shouldn't, and we're not saying no enough. I've never heard... I've used this before, but I've never heard somebody come to me and say, I really wish mom and dad, I really wish grandma and grandpa would have worked more and made more money. I mean, I really wish they would have. 
I've never heard that. I never will, just so you know. I never will. And I know I won't because nobody ever feels that way. What I have heard all the time, constantly, is I wish I had more time. I wish I had had more time. I wish I had spent more time. I wish I had gotten to talk to them more. I wish I would have been able to do this with them. Are you working yourself to death so you can support your family? No, I don't. I think that's okay to work. But are you sacrificing for a bigger house and you're missing time with your kids and your wife and your church and God to make an extra 10,000? I know I'm digging hard, guys. I hear you. I'm just asking the questions. We need to say no because behind every wise no is a better yes. Third area we need to say no is the wrong purpose. I don't have time to get into it. In fact, you'll see on your handout, I listed two other verses of Scripture. As I got into this, I was like, man, there's no way I can get to this. (laughs) See? God gives you blessing. I could talk for another couple of hours. But in Acts chapter 6, here's what I would just encourage you to do since I don't have time to get into it. I would encourage you sometime today, read the first half of Acts chapter 6. It's seven verses. It'll literally take you 60 seconds. Seven verses. And in there, you see that the disciples have a conflict with a whole bunch of other people in ministry in the church. I can't imagine a church ever has conflict. Okay, yes, I can. <laughs> but they had this conflict, and, they, and they, what they realized was the disciples were doing this food program thing, and they were spending a lot of time doing this, and what they realized is they were not doing the purpose that Jesus had told them they had to do which was teaching and bringing the word of God and trying to raise people up to become disciples of Jesus. And so what they do is they they actually appoint several people, seven to be exact, over this other food program so the disciples can keep doing what Jesus told them they have to do. And guess what? Both things get done in an amazing way because they said no to the wrong purpose. And so I ask you, what is God calling you to do or to be? Well, I want to end like this. I have a picture to show you. It's going to be a weird one, random one. But if I showed you this picture, can anybody tell me what that is? Yeah, beetle bag. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they're called, but they are. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a trap for Japanese beetles. Anybody in here have problem with Japanese beetles from time to time? <laughs> Most of us, right? Because we live in the same area. So do Laura and I do in our yard every time. Every time. Well, Laura and I, we, we thought about maybe using one of these bags, but we never got one. And a few weeks ago, we went on a walk, always wondering if this worked. And we were on this walk, and there was this, it was kind of like this. There was a little, you know, metal thing that you stick in the ground, and there was this bag hanging next to the sidewalk. And we looked over, and I was like, hey, there's one of those beetle bags or whatever they are. And we looked in there, and the, the bar was actually bending a little bit. And the bag was stretching down because there were so many Japanese beetles that were crammed in there dead or dying. Yeah, it was a great walk. Very romantic, I would say. But what was really interesting is, striking is, it was obvious that even though there are literally hundreds probably of beetles in that bag that are dead, there were still beetles flying to it like crazy. 
You guys know where I'm going with this, right? If you don't say no to overload, to the wrong purpose, and especially to sin, you're just like the Japanese beetles. You're being lured in so that you can be destroyed. And what God is encouraging us and calling us to is to say no so that he can give us an unbelievable yes. One that you've never even considered. We need to stop getting lured in by this world and by overload. Just because everybody else lives this way doesn't mean we're supposed to. Just because we become the weird ones doesn't mean it's wrong. Behind every wise no is a better yes. So I will ask you, what is it in your life right now, currently, that you know you need to say no to in order to get to that better yes? What is it? What is it? Let's pray.